Hello and welcome to Talking Law. I'm Dr. Sally Penny, MBE, a barrister at Kenworthy's Chambers in Manchester and the Joint Vice Chair of the Association of Women Barristers. I'm also the founder of Women in the Law UK. On this podcast, you'll hear leading barristers, judges, solicitors, managing partners and more talk about their lives and careers within the legal sector. This episode is supported by CBRE, the leading global provider of commercial real estate services and investments. Find out more at cbre.com. Before you meet today's guest, a reminder the tickets for the Women in the Law UK annual dinner and conference in Manchester this November are now on sale. Please visit womeninthelawuk.com for more details. I'd love you to also watch my recent TED Talk, where I discuss whether love can conquer hate. Please head to TED.com and search for Sally Penny. Today I'm talking law with Ayo Onatade, a freelance commentator on crime fiction. Ayo writes articles, gives talks and serves as a judge for numerous crime fiction awards. Ayo also works at the Supreme Court of England. And I asked her to tell me a little bit about her role there. Well, what I am is a personal assistant, which basically means I look after judges. I run their diary. I run their life. I get, make sure they're getting to court, make sure that they have their papers and do everything and anything they request. I started working here in a very, very roundabout manner. I am actually a civil servant and I've been a civil servant for far too many years to count. But I began began working with judges back in 1997 when I became the then master of the roles, Lord Wolfe's assistant private secretary. Um, I I then moved to become the clerk to Lady Justice Hale, as she then was, until until she was promoted to the House of Lords. But, you know, we kind of like left each other for a bit and, and I went on to clerk to the late Lord Justice Wall before becoming the clerk to the president of the family division initially and very briefly with Dame Elizabeth Butler Sloss just before she retired. I think I did two weeks with her or something like that. And of course, Samark Potter became the president. So I, so I was working with him. Um, then luckily for me, a vacancy arose in the House of Lords, um, Law Lords office where Baroness Hell had gone off to in 2004 and I applied lucky me I got the job and we began working together again we then remained together until we moved from the House of Lords to the Supreme Court wonderful whilst we're on Lady Hale um those who have read the book Spider Woman by Lady Hale which came out this year or last year I can't remember now I think it was last year. Yes. Well, I, I had an early copy, so I can never remember. So um, did I. <laughs> <laughs> when it came out, I get the date wrong. And then, of course, I've then listened to it since. Uh, read, of course, by Lady Hale. But people who've read that book will know that you get a, a very lovely mention in that book about your time working together and she says what a great assistance you were to her but I I wondered actually many of us find her inspiring was she inspirational to work for she was an absolute delight to work for 
you know, people sometimes say, would you go back and work for anybody? If you could choose, who could you go back to work for in all your working life? And yes, she would be the top of my list. I would work with her again in an instance. She was so inspiring. She used to make me laugh. And to be brutally honest, I miss her terribly. She's the one, one of the few people that if they said to me tomorrow, oh, Lady Hale wants you to come back and work with her, I'll say yes. I wouldn't even bat an eyelid. Wow. And tell me, Aya, because of Lady Hale, you and I have known each other, but I know that uh, you're quite playful with your hair. And, uh, and <laughs> you know, I've seen you with bright red hair uh, before now, clerking with uh, various justices, including lady justices. How did that go down? You know, I went to Supreme Court once with trainers on and I was worried about that. Never mind red, bright red hair, which looked fantastic. I think I can get away with it. And for me, it's a more of a matter. It's one of those things that makes me stand out. So the comments that I normally get is, is say, wow, that is absolutely stunningly great. You know, that really suits you. And, and nobody has really said it's a bad thing to do. And, um, yeah. you know, I like changing the colour of my hair. I mean, I don't change anything else, but the colour of my hair is the one thing I can get away with. <laughs> well, I, I just love it because I'm very much about people going to work as their full selves and how they are. It's been about being authentic. So I, I just love that. Now, tell me, aside from, you know, you call yourself a personal assistant, but I know you do a lot more than that. Um, if I was a young person thinking, gosh, this woman sounds interesting, and I'll come back to your sort of work outside of the law in a moment, because you've got several qualifications yourself, haven't you? You're not just a... No, I, I, I actually, my first degree was actually um, a social science degree from the University of Westminster. But then I went, decided I wanted to go back to college again. And I actually did this while I was working with Lady Hale. So I was like, you know, clocking during the day, go to college in the evening. And I did my master's degree. And I wow. did it in post-colonial and post-modern English literature. So it had nothing to do with the day job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's what I did at London South Bank University. Wow. Well, uh, my total hat off to you, because um, that is really very impressive for anyone working right. and studying. But your love of learning really doesn't stop there, does it? Because other people know you on Twitter as Shorts Blog. Shorts Blog. Shorts Blog. Yeah, uh, a crimes pre mag um, because you also blog. You love books. Tell me how you got into reviewing books, blogging about books, uh, being judge on award for books. You love crime fiction. Yes, where does that love come from? Well, the love of books came from when I was much younger because my mom, in her infinite wisdom, used to drop us in the library on mainly on Saturday mornings. My with my older brother, my two sisters. And she would disappear off and go and do shopping. I mean, she didn't want four young children under her feet while she was doing the shopping. So we would spend the day in the library while she went off and did what she did. And then she'd have to come back and collect us. And of course, she then had to wait for us to finish reading the books we had. because We never wanted to take those ones home. We wanted to take new ones off we hadn't read home. And, and then what happened, the crime fiction came about because when I was 10 years old, I moved to live in Nigeria for 10 years of my life. 
And my mother had, of course, four children under the age of 10 on this flight by herself. And she gave me a book to read. And it was the first Heku Poirot, The Mysterious Affairs That Styles. And I basically got hooked, you know. And as much as, like most other young girls, and I, I read my way through, you know, Jane Eyre, what Katie did next, all that sort of stuff. But yes. my love of crime fiction just grew and grew and grew. And I came back to the UK when I was 20. And when I, I just continued to read. And then I had a very, very, very good friend who used to run a bookshop in Covent Garden, which was, is no longer there, called Criming Store. And it was the, one of the few bookshops that sold just plainly crime novels. So she introduced me to a lot more different authors and various things like that. And I think I just got known. I, she, she was the one who introduced me to my editor who runs the shop's website and I run the blog. And um, we, I just started getting asked, would I review this book? And would I do so, you know, would I help out, you know, come to, go to events? And I just slowly and surely... I kind of like built up this reputation. And one of the things that I did when I was doing my MA, when I was doing my dissertation, was I did it on um, crime fiction as social documents. So I got to interview authors who have since become very, very good friends, especially people like Val McDermott, the Scottish crime writer. Yes. And it was yes, fantastic. So I've just continued to do that. And somewhere along the line, I've kind of like graduated to kind of like occasionally giving papers, moderating panels and being asked to judge book awards, <laughs> which to this day, <laughs> to this day surprised yes, me. I, I, yes, as you do, whilst <laughs> you've got a, a pretty heavy day job as well. I, I, I know. I, I, I kind of like say when people ask me, what do I do? I say, well, what are we talking about? The day job or the other life? <laughs> yes, yes. It's, uh, you know, it's really, really wonderful. Well, you know, we've got a a book club, a Women in the Law UK, and um, we invite the authors onto our book clubs. And I have to say, we do love crime fiction on there. And um, one of our members is brilliant, Sean Darlington, especially, loves your recommendations. So I wonder if you can share maybe some of your top three favourite crime fiction books. I know it's hard because I remember... I've read some of the ones you suggested previously, but add a push or let you have four. What four books would I recommend? Right. I am going to go with my top two favourite crime novels, first of all, because since I've got four. Um, and yeah. those are Farewell, My Lovely by Raymond Chandler. Oh, and The Mortis Falcon by Dashiell Hammett. So I'm, a, I'm a big noir fan. However, yeah. if I'm going to pick another two, who, which are much more contemporary, I would say that you should read, which I really loved over the last couple of years, is um, You Don't Know Me by Imran Mahmood, who is actually a criminal barrister. Yes, he's on our list. Yes. And I would also say um, Van McDermott's Wire in the Blood. However, a note of caution with the wire in the blood, it is quite gory. So if you do not like blood and gore, I would say give it a miss. But it, for me, it is an incredibly well-written book and it was her breakout book. Wow. Tell me, just whilst I'm on that subject, might you 
pen a book or you are you enjoying being the reviewer too much and judging <laughs> um I, no i keep on getting i've got to be honest i keep on getting asked that question i, was, I keep on saying no it's not going to happen and um, my reasoning for that is that i'm very much in awe of authors i really enjoy research but i'm more a lot more academic in my thought process which is the reason why i love writing papers about the genre you know, I love doing that bit of research and standing up and talking and explaining how I see the genre changing and the new authors coming through and what they're writing about and, you know, the elements of social policy and social history in crime novels. And my taste is too eclectic, so it will be difficult for me to pin down what type of book I wanted to write. Mm, interesting. I might come back to that. Yeah. Well, we've moved away from the day job, but I wonder if very quickly, just give us sort of any career advice. I want two sets of career advice. Firstly, about if somebody is listening to this, because I'm concerned about, you know, access to the profession mm-hmm. and progression in the profession and entrance. And so I wonder if you're a young person or a mature person, whatever, wanting to enter the profession and is thinking about clerking or assisting the justices. Mm-hmm. Any career tips that you can maybe on reflection you know you've been clerking for a long time and are very experienced any advice you might give to perhaps a young person thinking about um there there is actually and and i'd say this whether you're clerking for a judge or being a pa to a judge or whether you're clerking for a barrister there's certain things in my view you need to be able to do you have to be able to multitask that it goes without saying You have to be proactive, think on your feet and not be afraid to get stuck in. But most of all, I think at the top of the list, I think that confidentiality and discretion need to be your watchwords because you'll never gain the trust of whoever you're working for if you don't have those. Yes, that is fantastic. And then what about advice for authors? You know, maybe somebody thinking about crime, becoming a crime author. that's slightly different. And what I would say is that if you, my advice to author, and I, I have to emphasize this is just my advice, it would be to write the type of books that you yourself want to read. Yes. Don't follow trends. And most importantly, read within the genre that you want to write about, because that gives you so much of an insight of the way in which different authors write about crime fiction and I'm using crime fiction as an example and you you can like widen your experience and your knowledge so that would be my advice to authors I'm making a note now and have you got a favorite fictional lawyer Ooh, now that's tad difficult can I have can I have more than one can I have more than one I'll let you off since since you're in the supreme court (laughs) Um, okay, if I can have more than one, then I'd go for um, Mickey Haller, who's um, the character, I mean, the Michael Connolly's The Lincoln Lawyer series. Yes, good choice. And then I'd also go for Steve Kavanagh's Eddie Flynn. Now, Steve Kavanagh is actually um, Irish, and he was a solicitor. He only stopped practicing, I think, within the last two years. But he's, he's kind of like a lawyer. He's actually American. But he's a very, he, he was a very, very, Steve himself was a very, very good solicitor. 
So I'd go for Eddie Flynn and Mickey Haller. All right. I'm writing I'm writing um both of those down. Good choices actually. And Io, tell me with the years you've been studying and then the day job and then I want to say hobby, but actually you do it so well, it's another job. What do you do for your well being? Because you will seen from places like prorogation and other cases really. Um, how hard the justices work themselves or in the court of appeal themselves, the judges, and of course you. What do you do for your well-being just to make sure you're well? And I'm asking that question not because I'm brilliant at it. Uh, I think we especially are are bad at it. But how do you look after your well-being and wellness? Well, reading helps me relax quite a lot. But I also like doing things like, you know, going to museums, the British Library especially, because it's my favourite museum, then followed by the V&A. But I used to run, but this, this thing called old age and, you know, injuries stopped me. And I'm trying to think that I should get back into doing that. But for me, mainly my well-being is being trying to be sensible and knowing, you know, you've got to stop, when to stop, when to chill out, when to just, you know, lie down on the sofa and not do very much and watch sometimes mindless television. <laughs> yes. Um, that you um, can't, that you- you watch, but you can't remember what you've just watched. Exactly. But you're, I, I, and just chill out and also hang out with my family and my friends. Yes. 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 You know, I love find time for them. I think you always, no matter what I'm doing, if sometimes yeah. if it's a toss up between doing something crime fiction related and doing something with my family, I think my family will always win out unless it's a commitment I've made kind of like months in advance and I really can't get out of it. Yes, yes. That is such good advice, actually, because, you know, your family is always there. Work's not always there, is it? Um, no, and not. I think sometimes we forget, you know, when the late cases come in or the big cases that we're all conducting. Um, that's such great, great advice. I, I remember when Lady Hale retired and there were many of us there at her valedictory in the Supreme Court. And uh, I was chatting recently with Diana Rose, Queen's Counsel. Um, and <laughs> yes, she well, it was wonderful seeing her again um, at the college. And she was saying that was sort of the last big event before COVID. And she, bearing in mind she's a regular uh, appearer mm. at the Supreme Court. She'd never seen so many Lord Justices and Lady Justices and Court of Appeal judges and High Court judges um, and retired Supreme Court judges in one place. <laughs> and I must admit, for a silk who appears there all the time, she, of course, gave one of the speeches. Uh, and I was appearing, not in silk, uh, as were one of the few. The room was packed. And I had a huge imposter syndrome I sort of arrived. I didn't know what I was expecting. Thinking, Crikey, why on earth have I been invited here? And the one thing that made that better, well, a few things, was you arrived, um, you know, gave me a big hug. I don't know if you could detect my imposter syndrome. Um, and I wasn't even giving a speech. I know. And knew everybody who was there. And then suddenly I had a cup of tea and I, I was sort of, I was fine. I was still nervous thinking, oh, my God, they've got the wrong Sally Penny. But I, I wondered whether you ever get imposter syndrome yourself or whether you could detect it, you know, when people appear at the Supreme Court. It, it was such a wonderful thing. And then I had a little groupie of people who were saying, we love Io. Um, <laughs> oh, this is so embarrassing. 
Um, <laughs> I think when I first started clerking, and especially when I was with Lady Hell, I think I used to have kind of like this imposter syndrome. But then working with Lady Hell just made it so easy. And I quickly got rid of that. But the second time I think I got imposter syndrome was when I really started getting heavily into my, the crime fiction stuff that I did. Because one of the things you've got to realise is that there are not a lot of ethnic minorities in crime fiction and in the crime fiction circle. Because if you look at the authors, I mean, it's much better than when I started. Yeah. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years now. But when I first started, yes. I first started blogging, I first started to go to events, I would sometimes walk into a room of over 100 people and I'd be the only black person there. Nowadays, it's kind of like it's, the, the, the wheel has turned. If I'm not there, people tend, I tend to get messages saying, Aya, why aren't you there? And, and my response, generally speaking, is a couple of, either a couple of things. One, um, I wasn't invited. I never actually go to things I'm not invited to. Two, I was invited, but yeah. I've got a prior engagement, and therefore that's the reason why I'm not there. <laughs> so I've now lost any sort of imposter syndrome um, that, I, that I had either in the day job or within my crime fiction life. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to hear. And, of course, you know, one of the ways that certainly for me, I deal with it is, is having the knowledge, you know, yes. gosh, if I'm the person who's a brief inside out or whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's a speech or a subject, mm. that's a way for me to, to, to combat it. Um, so it's really just wonderful just to um, hear it. Um, we're coming to the end. I need to have you back under some other subject, I'm sure, because you're so brilliant and good for all of us. Um, I'm sure you will. <laughs> I'm wondering though, are you? Um, is there a lawyer in you? You know, no. You well, like no, I shouldn't say that. Um, um, I really, I, I actually do like the law a lot. So I'm so pleased about where I work. I am interested mm. in the law, and I think my interest in the law, and I, I and I think this has also got to do with Lady Hen, is my interest in the law mainly is within family law. But yes. I think at the time when I would have considered doing in articles and stuff like that, I mean, because I've got a diploma in law, that's another thing I've got, but I, which I never used. Um, it was of that time when it was incredible. I mean, it's difficult now, but it was even more difficult because we're going back to the 85-ish, when it was a lot more difficult for members of the ethnic minorities to get articles in chambers and stuff like that. And I just thought to myself, I really don't need the stress. Yes. Yes. So I kind of like um, walked away. In hindsight, do I regret it? Not really. But I kind of like keep my hand in, in other ways. Like where, like yeah. I, I read a lot of judgments, you know, I listen to law programs and I, I'm a big fan of law in action. So I keep yeah. my hand Aren't in. Aren't we all? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, that that's actually really fantastic well of course you could become a magistrate i don't know if you'd be disqualified well well, well let me, too much well let me tell you a, a very quick story in my previous job before i started working with judges i actually dealt with the appointment of magistrates right yes so i this was at the time when lord irvin was saying that they wanted more members of the ethnic minorities to be magistrates so i twisted my twin sister's arm become magistrates to apply 
She applied the first time around. She didn't get through, was a bit despondent. And I said, no, 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 don't worry about it. Do it again. The second time she applied, she got through and she has been a magistrate for over 20 years now. Wow. Yes. People don't know, you know, magistrates can be, you know, anybody from anywhere. Yes. Um, um, she, and if people want to find out more, it's available on various websites. Aren't yes. About becoming she enjoys it immensely. And I'm secretly, I think I'm part of me secretly jealous because um, I think in hindsight, maybe I should have applied. But at the time, I, I don't think they would have appointed both of us because we lived together at that time. So that would be a bit difficult. But she, you know, she enjoys it immensely. Wow. I love that. Now, Ayo, I know you've got a great uh, range of fascinators and hats because I've seen you wearing them. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you've been tempted to wear it, um, you know, in a big case to appear because, of course, people can watch the judgments now, the hearings on the um, Supreme Court website. website. And, yeah. And I know, isn't it one of the most visited attractions in London? Well, yes, I mean, we are in a prime place because, of course, on the one side, we've got, um, you know, um, Westminster Abbey on our right. And then in front of us, we've got the Houses of Parliament. And, you know, we get people, we are so open, we always get streams of visitors, which is absolutely wonderful. And, in, you know, the, the our security guards are very good as, you know, um, drawing tourists in. And I think it's one of the reasons because you can take photographs in court because, you know, in places like the Royal Courts of Justice and the Old Bailey, photography is yeah. forbidden, whether the courts are sitting or not, photography is forbidden. But here at the Supreme Court, as long as the court is not sitting, you can take photographs in all the public areas. So it's absolutely amazing. But would I wear a fascinator? Ooh. I just about managed to wear a hat at the opening of the legal year. Yes, I know. It's wonderful. <laughs> And I do enjoy doing it then. Any other time, oh, I think you'd really have to twist my arm. Yeah. All right. Well, you still you look you look great in great um, in it. So it was it was worth it was worth a punt. And I did see actually as we record this yesterday um, on the feed that um, Lord Reed was talking to some students from Oldham. And the students have actually managed to sit and observe a Privy, a Privy Council case. And so they were on the feed. And I do think it's a wonderful place for a reminder of the rule of law. Ayo, just before we go, I noticed that you're down to one woman in the Supreme Court again. Yes. <laughs> They're all retired. What's going on? And Lord, Lord Reed says he'd like to see, a, you know, more <laughs> diversity before re he retires. The clock is ticking. Where have they all gone? <laughs> I, I think, I, I've got to say, I'll make a couple of comments on that. I say, um, you know, you can only appoint people who apply. And, you know, the more people and more women who apply, the more chances they get to come here. Yes spoken very well and and uh perhaps uh, that's an advertisement for those suitably qualified i know uh, and and otherwise i wasn't inviting anything controversial but i just noticed that uh it was just uh lady rose or master rose who's a, a member of Grey's Inn, um you know 
sitting um, and uh, left. So I look forward to seeing uh, more more appointments in, <laughs> in due course. Ayo, it's been wonderful um, talking law with you. You're an inspirational um, person in the main. And it's fascinating hearing about the day job and your other job and the various hats that you wear. Uh, and so uh, I hope, uh, certainly I've taken so much from this. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed Talking Law with me, Sally Penny. It's been brilliant having you on. It's been wonderful, Sally. I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I don't often get the chance to do such fun things like this. I mean, my crime fiction stuff is fun, but this is, this is even nicer because, oh. you know, you're we just chatting and we've known each other. As you said, we've known each other for such a long time. I know, I know. <laughs> And I look forward to the next hairdo. I am actually going to the hairdresser on Saturday. Wow. <laughs> I will try and remember to take a photograph on Saturday after I've had my hair cut and, and done. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to do a before and after then. <laughs> really? Ayo, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for um, coming on this interview with me. It's been wonderful talking to you. Um, thank you so much for having me, Sally. I really enjoyed it. See you soon. Thank you. A big thank you to Ayo Onatade for talking law with me, Dr. Sally Penny, MBE. And a huge thanks again to CBRE for supporting this episode. Do visit CBRE.com to find out more about the work that they do across the world. If you'd like to support this podcast talking law then please get in touch you can find me on twitter at sallypenny1 or search for sallypenny or women in the law uk on linkedin or instagram do make sure you catch up with previous episodes of talking law where you can hear my interviews with guests such as legal consultant simon mccrum and esteemed family lawyer samantha hillis qc before i go just a reminder to get tickets for the Women in the Law UK annual conference. And don't forget to head to my TED Talk at TED.com. Thanks again to our production team, Sam Walker and Michael Blades at What Goes On Media. I'm Dr. Sally Penny, MBE. Bye for now.